You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Socially Distanced with Paxton Wright and another person. And today, another person. Does that first person, does that first other person want to introduce themselves right now? I guess that's me, given that I'm a co-host. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm the first other person. I'm claiming that title for myself. I'm Justin. (laughs) And today, our very special guest on the show is... Uh, I'm Ian Ring, and uh, yes, I am very special. Thank you. <laughs> um, that's, how I've, that's how I've always described you. In fact, I, I actually texted Justin uh, when you first said you were down to come on the show. I was like, you gotta, we got to have this guy Ian on. He's very special. I tell everyone he's very special. And uh, you're about to show the world that you're, you're very special. And God bless you. Um, so... Yeah, but so for those of you who uh, think that Ian's voice sounds familiar, it's likely because you've listened to my uh, other former radio show, Half Past Five, uh, on which Ian was, I believe, like my third or fourth guest ever on the show. Is that correct? It was like last April. Yeah, it was uh, actually, yeah, it was like last year, pretty much exactly. Yeah. Well, maybe like give or take a few months. Roughly, yeah. I mean, it was it was roughly almost a year ago, though, when I was just a, a fresh-faced baby right here on KUCI, and we could still record in the studio, and things were simpler, uh, yeah. but not simple. And uh, Ian, if you want to get more into the specifics, uh, you are a game designer slash programmer. Is that not correct? That is correct. Uh, I consider myself more of a designer rather than a programmer. I just program mainly because I don't know anyone else that will program for me. And you've been, so you've been doing that for a number of years. You and I have known each other for quite some time as some backstory. Uh, You and I were roommates about six years ago when I very briefly lived in Chicago, uh, which is how we first met uh way back in the in the good old days of uh my 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 one year at columbia college chicago um and your your journey has taken you quite some way since then uh what are some notable projects in those last six years that you've done that are available to the public uh well not too too many uh there's a game called ready action driver that was my the that was my capstone project that was kind of the culmination of everything i've learned while i was there uh i think that's available for download that's about it and then later on i came back home to orange county and got and uh got my master's degree in game design because yes that's a thing you can do despite what your dad and your mom tell you <laughs> it's, that is a real career i keep telling them that this is this is all worthwhile um yeah so so and, and you were at laguna college of art and design correct yes that yeah. is correct uh and yeah so you and i um our history got a little more i want to say complicated because that almost painted in a negative light but intertwined intertwined yes uh as of last year um i had you on my last show half past five to talk about an upcoming project you had a game called the friendship which we'll talk more about in a second and we ended up coming to find after doing that interview um that there were a few positions you needed filled 
on that project, uh, which I was equipped, capable, and eager to fill. So I ended up, after having you on the show, actually getting involved with the friendship myself as a as a writer, and that was uh, that was a that was a hoot and a holler. It was my first time really working at all on games, uh, and it was an utter blast. And it was a really unique challenge for myself as a writer. And I did a bit of concept art as well, a bit of, a bit of character design. Um, and now we have another project on the horizon. We do, yes. Yeah. Um. And the friendship that's available on itch.io, correct? Yes, that is. Uh, it's available to download for free. The final version is available on itch.io. It's uh, buggy. It's a mess, mainly because I just got really tired. I got really tired towards the end and just kind of threw my hands up in the air. You went in on a very ambitious project, in your yeah, defense. I think I bit off a little bit more than than what I could chew. But this one, this new one we're doing, is pretty much the right kind of like scale for me. Yeah, it's considering I'm the only person doing it. Right. It's a so far it's a two man team. Uh, if you want to first tell us before we get into that, if you want to first tell uh, us and uh, the listeners a bit about the friendship and a bit about what that project entailed. Right. So the friendship was essentially a two player co op point and click adventure game. Uh, it's a game that very really emphasizes communication and working together, uh, mainly to move around your cursor. And also to combine items and do the standard point-and-click adventure game stuff of experimenting, experimenting around with objects and stuff in the environment, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work, etc. And so yeah, it was like you kind of—it was like a combination of like uh, like uh, Overcooked and Monkey Island. Like it was a very unique blend of genres. One of which is like. Uh, uh, typically rooted in you know like you have the adventure game which is like typically very much like a single player experience very right. dialogue and story heavy and then taking like the party co-op game like overcooked a very communal it. experience and putting it together into something that like you can just go over to your friend's house for like an hour play it have a good time and then just be done with it and then you do that like once a month yeah and what were some like uh what were some i mean I remember because I was there for a lot of it, but uh, what were some of the unique uh, challenges you sort of ended up running into on a project so ambitious with such a small team? Uh, mainly it was, this is the first time I ever led a team. Like my, it was the first time where like whatever I said something, someone more or less did it. Uh, we'll get, I'll get into that in a little second, but it was kind of, kind of like a po uh, paralyzing moment where I didn't really know what to do. Like, uh, what do I do now? Uh, should I focus on this first? Should I focus on that first? I just don't know. And eventually I got the hang of it, uh, mainly by the end. But, oh boy, those first year, that first year or two, as any game aspiring game developer will tell you, it's rough uh, figuring out what works and what doesn't work. Uh, having to tell an artist, like, hey, I'm sorry, but this thing you spend a week, a week or two, doing yeah or i'm not going to use that anymore because it doesn't work anymore yeah yeah it's i mean I, but it, you ultimately like i it was i mean you ultimately really did get the hang of it as you say and i mean uh it was it seemed like a daunting experience from my perspective because i mean again i was just the writer and like did a little bit of art on the game but mostly i i served as the writer 
And so it was like, it, it just seemed like you had so many balls in the air to juggle on that game on top of the actual core concept of the project being very, uh, uh, very challenging and unique and like very tough to get right. But I think you ultimately, again, the game has its issues for, for what it is, but it's barely playable. (laughs) (laughs) It's playable. Hey, Hey, I won't hear that. Um, I watched the, uh, lcad um stream of grad students projects they 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 gave it some glowing responses oh you listened into my thesis defense i did i did oh i didn't know you were there oh i did i did my research i did my homework um i'm I'm doing my homework now (laughs) (laughs) you have homework but it's summer (laughs) i actually i have so much homework this summer yeah well yeah you're, like you're TA, a I have an article due for another thing in like six days. Oh, it's fun homework, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, not really. No, I actually, um, uh, it's it's a lot. I mean, it's supposed to be like fun personal homework, but it's actually. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, the friendship. Yeah. No. 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 It's fine. It's fine. I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm almost tired of talking about myself. So. Uh. Yeah. Uh, surprised that you listened into my uh, thesis defense. I think that's where we left off. Left off. Yeah, I mean, I was also going to say I do think it's uh, very funny and ironic that like what we're saying here is uh, the fact that like building this game from the ground up was like fun homework that was also incredibly stressful and hair pulling and miserable <laughs> a lot yeah. of the time for you, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, no the the friendship was a was an ambitious undertaking. And yeah, you and I, after having kind of meshed so well on that and having um, really just made a good equilibrium, found a good equilibrium as, as a team, and me kind of realizing near the very end of my college career uh, how much I kind of enjoy working on video games, who would have thunk the thing I've been playing uh, ravenously since like age five. Oh, hey, it's kind of fun to work on um so yeah you and i have a new project underway which we have to be kind of mum on details about because it is still Mm. pretty early in development uh but i think i think we can get into at least the sort of loose ins and outs of of what players can expect wouldn't you agree yes i think that's a good i think that's a good time to sprinkle some details yeah and actually funny enough we can also sort of tie in justin a bit on the development of this as well oh you're joining the development well no no, uh well uh, who knows what the future holds but uh but no it was because as you recall ian we about two months ago before we started this project were sort of we knew we wanted to do something together but we had two ideas um Mm. and we were iffy on where to go and uh, Justin, being the elite hardcore gamer that he is, oh god, <laughs> um, we, were, we, we thought uh, we'd consult the expert, and uh, uh, but also someone who uh, has a good sensibility when it comes to, uh, uh, I think, real sincere academic critique of narratives, and also. Uh, as a former educator of mine, Justin, uh, a knowledge of like 
when people are a bit too ambitious and a bit too in over their heads with certain projects. So we consulted you to be the tiebreaker of which of the two projects we should go with. And your advice was not in vain because uh-huh. you picked my idea. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it, so basically what we're working on right now is a uh, visual novel project, um, which, uh, yes, an oversaturated <laughs> uh, subgenre of the games industry for sure. But when they're good, they're good. And uh, I think we have a good one. Um, basically, uh, it's tricky because I don't know how much we want to actively give away. I- I'll basically give away what I've given away on like social media thus far. Um, it's a visual novel which uh, follows the, uh, the evolution um, and, in some ca- and in some respects, uh, both thematic and literal sort of the de-evolution of a late night talk show over the course of four decades um, starting in and on the same night of all four decades so it'll be x day of x month in 1963 then that same x day and x month 1973 1983 1993 um, and uh, on this game i'm acting as lead writer and lead art director we may and likely will take on one or two other artists in the future, depending on, you know, what work needs to be done. Um, and Ian, you are the head of design and programming. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. How has it been for you so far? How have you been enjoying the project? Uh, I've been having a good time. It's nice having something that's not as intense or like I have to figure out like, oh man, how's this going to work? Like this, like before with the friendship, it was something like, I know that has never really been done before and there was really no point reference other than like other point and click adventure games and other party games. So combining those two references was kind of hard, but with visual novel, like, Oh, I just have to look up uh, what the, what's a uh, visual novel or uh, for a talk show. Like, Oh, I have to look up Johnny Carson and Jay Leno and all that stuff for references and visual references. So yeah. it's a lot easy. It's a lot easier on me like to, to know that there's other that there are other examples out there that I can pull from more readily and easier. Yeah. And it's one thing I've really enjoyed as a, um, uh, I'll be the first to admit it, uh, occasionally self-indulgent writer um, <laughs> that I sometimes get a bit too, like a bit too wordy. in what I'm doing is like when we did the friendship um, while that game was a lot of fun uh, to work on. And I think has a lot of, uh, I almost said a word you can't say on the radio a lot of banger jokes um, we <laughs> uh, like I, I'm proud of a lot of the, the humor I put in that game a lot of them run way too long for like a party game with your friends and are yeah pretty- yeah I've, I noticed a lot of paragraphs yeah. that I had to like cut up in half <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I took a bit too much time with some of them uh, this game is all reading though it is all dialogue and it's just like oh i'm having a field day with it i still have to shave it down because i'll find this a way to make a game that is 90 percent dialogue still too dialogue heavy um but <laughs> yeah but it's easier to it's easier to walk back upon later drafts i think yeah um, and it's just fun because we get to do whereas 
the friendship was kind of like a a kind of light silly jokey game uh that followed cartoon characters in a very over-the-top world um this one uh we get to do a bit more while it's still there's a lot of comedy elements and a lot of silliness to it and a lot of farce um we do get to do also a lot more uh sort of adult serious storytelling which i'm very excited about we've lent ourselves to a project that again we have to be kind of mums the word on just for the sake of you know not putting too much information out there when it's still fairly early in development um, right but a project that i i think is uh yeah i think it's pretty cool i'm excited yeah. about it yeah Justin, do you have much experience with uh, visual novels yourself? Have you uh, ever really been around that block? Uh, I mean, a little bit on the development side, not very much. And and then like a little bit on the on the side of like, you know, being a, a player or critic, I guess. Um, like I've never really written about visual novels in any meaningful capacity. And I've played a couple here and there. And I remember um, not being super impressed with i played uh there was oh man uh not doki doki literature club but there was a there's a visual novel that got popular a few years back that was similarly like that was that was similarly renowned uh, that i think was like actually a like a 4chan collaborative project you know and, and it was a thing that like people took kind of seriously and i remember playing it going i don't like this and then like looking at the credits eventually and like seeing the kind of and like seeing like the 4chan logo and going oh okay that's why but then i i played uh in college i played some of uh christine loves uh stuff and remember liking uh some of that and then i've played and then i've played a bunch of things that have been uh that are like adjacent to visual novels so I, I one i talked about on the show uh, signs of the sojourner is like definitely kind of like taking the um like the, the visual motifs of the visual novel that you know like the character portraits and like dialogue and like uh dialogue in like the lower kind of like third of the screen and yeah like like i've played stuff that's like around that that is been very much trying to kind of like add an additional mechanical layer on top of visual novels uh, and then on the development side, I worked on like a very short visual novel when I was in college that was a part of a part of like a new media production class that was based around like using uh, experimental interfaces. So that was actually really fun. Like it was a I was the, the writer on that and I didn't really write anything. It wasn't very good writing, but like it was like uh, I, I, I guess I did like conceptual work in the beginning and that's the thing to be proud of but it was a it was a visual novel that was based around a glove that one of our teammates developed uh using a raspberry pi and like these uh basically like motion sensor things and you gesture while wearing the glove to like say different things like say aggressive things by like sticking up your middle finger or you know like say nice things by giving a thumbs up so that was fun yeah uh so that's that's my experience with visual novels i guess um and, and then like I made a twine game once after college. And I guess like that's kind of my, uh, like my, my questions that I have about this project and I'm trying to formulate a question that isn't just, well, what are you writing about? Because I know you can't really divulge that much. And when you're making a visual novel, the thing that you'd be divulging is the plot. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But 
the I guess my question is like, yeah, how do you find the process of writing? Uh, I mean, I'm I don't want to take for granted that there's like dialogue choices in your game, but that is something that I associate with the visual novel. Like that is it's kind of like uh, its main uh, kind of agential action that a player can take. So I guess how do you find like writing branching dialogue? Because I found it pretty difficult when I when I did that because like I always sort of like when I was writing I had an idea I wanted to communicate to the player and so like even as dialogue kind of like branched out it always sort of like coalesced back in one thread for me yeah it's tough it's been it's proven very very tough uh, because we did a teeny tiny bit of very inconsequential uh uh like um choice when we worked on the friendship um but it was like i said it was very minuscule it was mostly a straight beeline through the plot in that game this is the first time where yeah there's conversations back and forth and your words are affecting the the next words that come back and forth between you um and we are i'm at the stage in development right now where it's basically the thing is broken into four acts each act being a year um and i am at about the 50 to 60 percent mark through the first act right now um and it gets it gets tougher and tougher and tougher as you keep building it you basically there's a lot of um because there's no clear real uh uh format like a a go-to format for doing this you have to provide your own little contexts and um like context clues and like like a legend for yourself almost to remember basically which which line um leads to which line so it's a lot of like color coding dialogue and a lot of that kind of thing um so it has proven difficult i will say it has proven thus far a little less difficult than i had anticipated Um, the hardest part is really kind of figuring out the exact beats of the narrative, particularly in the latter half, Mm. uh, without giving, again, without giving too much away, we can maybe talk more on it, um, off air, but, uh, the plot goes places as any plot to anything should, unless you're like making a mumblecore film. Uh, but like, <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, we're not making a, a mumblecore visual novel. Although put that in the notebook for, <laughs> for future ideas. Um, but, but uh, uh, it has been really interesting because I think Ian and I, uh, it, we've talked about, we both kind of share a fascination um in the late night talk show and its format um particularly that's why i even did like half past five when i did half my previous radio show half past five it was like an attempt to do my own version of like a late night talk show granted you see now why uh late night talk shows have massive production crews and writing staff on them because they're incredibly hard to make which is why 80 percent of half past five's episodes were kind of hot messes but the good ones were good but yeah, there is a there's a real fascination with that medium, and the 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 how it continues to both fall out of relevancy and yet try to like rework its way into relevancy 
in contemporary society. And it's like uh, late night talk shows now exist almost entirely uh, in clips on YouTube. Like that's it's the TV equivalent of how do you do fellow kids? Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, a great analogy. Yeah. And so it is kind of like, we sort of want to do this like kind of swan song dissection of like peak late night, 1963, like, uh the the johnny carson merv griffin era to 1993 where late night was still relevant but oh what's this burgeoning thing that's starting to come about the internet what's, what's this, this annoying orange that's go- that's going over the yeah, internet yeah. everyone's talking about <laughs> exactly yeah what's what's this gonna do to the industry and so to kind of what annoying orange yeah yeah exactly annoying orange took the took the late night uh world by storm i'm sure annoying orange is like a cultural milestone for something oh unfortunately you're probably definitely right Um, yeah like honestly i feel like annoying orange is like the kind of spearheads a sort of like a kind of like online persona that i think is really popular in like the contemporary streaming scene to be honest yeah and it's it looks so far removed. This is a whole other conversation entirely, but that contemporary uh, uh, type of internet personality is such a far cry from that kind of new wave of comedy, uh, say with, say with some air quotes that was, um, that was sort of brought about by like the era of annoying orange and things like that. But another conversation for another day, basically, uh, I think this game's pretty cool. Ian, I think and hope you think this game is pretty cool. Yeah, from what I'm building, it's going to be pretty uh, K to the A. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if, uh, I don't know your uh, reg- your uh, regulations on uh, language here, so yeah, let's, I kind of kept, I kind of cut that off. It's appreciated. But uh, <laughs> I think, I think uh, intuitive listeners can, can decipher what you were getting at. Um, exactly. All right, we, I think, got to take a quick break here. So we're going to get out of y'all's hair and we'll return shortly. Stay tuned, everybody. UCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You're listening to Socially Distanced. I am Justin Kiever, and I'm here with my co-host Paxton Wright. We're also with our special guest Ian, and I've forgotten Ian's last name. Eh, it's fine. Uh, it's only four. It's only four letters. It's ring. <laughs> Called out. Um, well, no, no, you. it's fine. You would not believe how many people actually just don't know my first name, or don't know how to pronounce my first name. Uh, some like I, you don't like. Uh, there's so many people out there that pronounce my name Ian. I have no idea how they get to that. 
that's really? a yeah uh, i don't really know how you how you uh live in the year 2020 being unfamiliar with the name ian um yeah well to be fair this was in 2018 so well okay, okay. yeah that was a different well world. yeah yeah of course. <laughs> who, who it was, such, <laughs> it was a different who, world back then it was an outrageous name back then it was uh yeah. it was it was dangerous to name your child ian um <laughs> here we are uh yeah, so the latter half of the show, for those uh, familiar, we generally talk about uh, pop culture and media that has been uh, impactful or just generally consuming uh, of our lives uh, in, the, uh, in the last few weeks and typically kind of, you know, why that piece of media has been special to you as a result of uh, quarantine and self-isolation, which we should all still be doing. The virus is not gone, despite uh, what a depressing number of people seem to be uh, behaving uh, as though for the contrary, but neither here nor there. Uh, Ian, as our special guest, why don't you field this one? What, uh, what media you've been really into as of late? Well, uh, lately I've been playing a game called uh, Warframe. It is a uh, it's a free to play MMO, I believe, but I may I mostly play just single player, and uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I I've heard I've heard a bit about Warframe. It's um it's like it's kind of like uh uh what was that th- uh, that awful game that Bioware did Anthem, but like good, right? It's like yeah. good MMO Anthem, isn't it? Doesn't it predate Anthem as well? Oh yeah, this predates Anthem Anthem for a while. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's be- it's a better anthem, which is which is not hard to do, and uh, it's a uh, better destiny actually. Really? Oh yeah, there's a I forgot about destiny too. Yeah. Yeah, I think destiny was made in response to that. In response to Warframe. Yeah, and then anthem was made in response to Des- destiny. Okay, I see. I I didn't realize Warframe had been around that long. I thought it was around since like 2016, 2017 ish. I think it, was, it started in like 2013. Oh no, kidding! And so what? So what about it? Uh, had you? Why why did you gravitate toward it? Um, uh, I don't really mainly, know you to play MMOs really. <laughs> uh, mainly just the uh, just the recommendation of some YouTubers uh, that I follow, and also it looks really really cool. It's really fun. And you can fly around like a cool space ninja. <laughs> yeah, the art direction and uh, mechs in the game are are uh, it, it's some pretty pretty astounding character design I've seen. I haven't seen a ton of the actual like uh, assets and backgrounds of the game though. I'm gonna look that up right now. Uh, yeah, generally it's 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 like the, it's a typical like MMO things where like a lot of things are repeated. It's up. All the levels are procedurally generated, so you'll never run into the same level uh, over and over again. Uh, you can go down an elevator into a hallway and then immediately go into another elevator. Huh. Uh, that's what happened. To, that's that's what happened to me once. Uh, I really dig the art direction. It's a uh, very Fifth Element esque kind of with Dune. Yeah. It's more. It's closer to Dune rather than the Fifth Element. Interesting. If, uh, I- yeah. If there's one thing you can credit Dune for, it's a uh, it's some uh, very inspired art design uh, in that movie. I, I don't know if there's much else you can credit Dune for, but it has that, and it also has almost naked Sting, for whatever that's worth. So uh, I'm curious about though what you say about the the game being 
procedurally generated because I, I don't play a ton in the way of MMOs either. I've seen enough of World of Warcraft. I played a little bit of the Old Republic back in the day when that was a thing. Right. Uh, but I don't really, I can't really fathom how a procedurally generated MMO works because isn't it right. so much about the social aspect and so much about like you have your hub worlds and your different maps that you can go to. Isn't that like right. a key aspect to it? Right. So the way it works is that first off you can play solo. So you can just play a level. You can play like a, a level by yourself. And uh, if you look up uh, the map, the, the solar system map, so uh, each, there's a uh, different planets that are specified for different areas. So you can go to Venus, you can go to Mars, you can go to Jupiter, uh, Europa, etc. And each planet will have their own little special missions. Like this one is a spy mission where you got to sneak around and steal information. There's one which is called exterminate where you just got to kill all, just got to kill a bunch of enemies. You can do those solo or you can do those with friends and you can invite people and do uh, runs and uh, grind materials. And there are also uh, open world sections. Uh, the one there's uh, currently two, I believe. Uh, one is Earth, called the Plains of Eidolon. That's mainly where the human, the enemy faction called the Grenier, are kind of hanging around in. Uh, that's where that's kind of their open world. And uh, there's also uh, on Venus called Fortuna. That's the main like social hub area. I forgot what the main like plain open world area is. Uh, but that is where the enemy faction, the Corpus, uh, kind of hang around in. And so what about it? What about the game? Uh, did you like, what about it has kept you so invested for so long? Cause I know it's interesting. You mentioned the aesthetics kind of like uh, the fifth element you said, cause I yeah. know you and I are both very big fans of the fifth element and like the general weird trippy French sci-fi worlds of Luc Besson on a whole <laughs> um, it is. So is like, is it the the world building itself that's kept you invested? Is it like the core gameplay loop? Because uh, especially uh, if, if you're not playing the social scene, like I'm curious. Uh, it's the gameplay loop combined with the space dolls. So uh, you can buy, you can uh, grind for pieces and make uh, different different warframes. So and each warframe has their own like special stats and uh, abilities. There's like the, there's obviously like the tank. There's the got, there's a build that's exclusively for, for stealth. There's the DSP di uh, build. So yeah, and each one has their own unique look and their own kind of like uh, you can customize their own their uh, color palette and uh, and each and some of them have like unique uh, skins. You play with your space Barbies essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I I am a uh, I'm a fiend for uh, uh, for cosmetics in games. I I I don't go full like uh, cynical EA loot box, like throwing five bucks at a time to get uh, you know some new skins or whatnot. I I have enough willpower to avoid that, but like ever since GTA San Andreas, like my favorite parts of the Grand Theft Auto franchise are just playing dress up with my characters. I, I have a humiliatingly grand old time just doing that. Um, so I, I get the appeal there for sure. Yeah. yeah, you can do that in spades in this. Yeah, so I guess we can, I don't know, if, if there's anything more you want to say, we can talk more about it. Otherwise, I mean, we can move on to what Justin and uh, I have been up to. I don't... It's, yeah, it's a... Uh... All I can, all I have to say is it's a fun game. Uh, it's free, and you can play it on uh, consoles. Uh, I think uh, PS4 and Xbox One. Oh, beautiful! Yeah. What about uh, what about you, Justin? What have you been uh, What have you been into as of late? 
let's see. I have I've been messing with the smattering of things, I guess. Uh, I played a little Battlefront 2 because that went free on PlayStation Plus. Uh, multiplayer is fine. The campaign is terrible. Yeah, that's um, what I hear. Yeah, uh, so that is why I have to report there. Otherwise, I, I don't know. Like I, the big mistake I've made lately is I started Persona Five again. Um, I have a lot of work I need to be doing, and uh, yeah, that um, that was a bad idea. Well, let me ask you: Did you go Persona Five again, or did you go Persona Five Royal? Uh, just Persona Five again. Like I more responsible. Like, yeah, I just like stared at the sixty dollar price tag and was like, no. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. I'll save my money for other dumb things. But sixty dollars. But will I save my time for other better, like more productive things? No. Uh, <laughs> it's really a matter of do you want to uh, pour a hundred and ten hours of your life into a JRPG, or do you want to pour a hundred and sixty hours of your life into a JRPG? And the responsible adult would always say 110 hours. <laughs> <laughs> that actually, so that, that was actually a thing that I kind of, like, like I have a ton to do this summer, but I can still kind of justify, like not taking like the full 100 whatever hours, but it's like I can still justify to myself taking the time to like just not work. And as I was, Okay, so I played Persona 5 for the first time basically the summer before moving to California for grad school and then pretty much finished it like in the, the weeks before starting my first quarter of grad school. And now, like playing it now, like a thing that I've been kind of like thinking to myself is if my life goes right, like if, you know, I keep working on my dissertation and then get like a postdoc after this or whatever, uh, and then, you know, get a, get a full-time job after a postdoc. Like, this will probably be the last time I ever play Persona 5. Like, this will be the last time where my life is structured in a way where the idea of, like, where, like, doing something like playing Persona 5 is actually accomplishable. And that's kind of a weird place to be because, I mean, the, the Persona games, or at least Persona 4 and 5, which are the only ones I've actually uh, completed, are very much... I mean, you know, like, they're coming-of-age games, like, so many, like, narrative-heavy games are, well, I mean, actually, yeah, like, a lot of, kind of, like, renowned narrative-heavy games are coming-of-age stories, now that I think about it, and, you know, like, I'm, I'm an adult, I have a job, uh, technically, <laughs> you know, I have a cat, and he is my cat, no one else owns him, but like nonetheless and maybe it's still like technically being in school and maybe it's just like the the general like malaise of being in your 20s but I, I still feel like I'm in a stage in my life where coming of age stories still like they, they feel they feel like something I should be beyond but like I feel myself nonetheless like as being in a kind of like transitional moment still so like the, the so these kinds of stories still resonate and then also there's like the, the, like Persona 5 is, you know, like in a certain extent, it really is like the ultimate kind of contemporary, like contemporary life fantasy of what if you were just like really efficient with your time? Oh, no kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, you've had, a, you've had a busy day. You should, you should stay in and get an early night's sleep. Like that is, that is a big part of that game's loop 
for better and for worse. Yeah, but apparently not in the not in a royal where the cat will let you out to walk the streets. You can actually go out at nighttime now. Yeah, uh, but I don't think you can go beyond like the uh, the that main little mark that little street area. I don't think you, so. You can't go to Shibuya or anywhere like that. I'm still exacting some uh, some some self discipline. I, I yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> I I think it's interesting what you say about um, coming of age being uh, relevant in your in your mid twenties now because I have also found weirdly enough that like the teen film and the coming of age film resonates more with me the older I get and far less than it did when I was in high school. I think part of it is like. I don't know. When I was in high school, I guess I thought I was sort of above it a little bit. I kind of saw them as being under the same blanket of like pandering. And to an extent, there is some pandering that is inherent to the coming of age genre in almost every respect. Um, if you want to write realistic teen dialogue, you have to write kind of horrible dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> like, so <laughs> that's why, like, that's why, like, I think it's in, um, I think it's in like one of the Scream sequels where they're having one of their meta dissections of horror movies that are essential for every other conversation in those movies. Um, but there's a character who talks about how like, she the, there's a character who's like making fun of the fact that uh, the kids in like self-aware meta slasher horror films, AKA Scream, are way too well-spoken to be actual teenagers. And I'm like, yeah, it's a, it's a really fair point because that applies to almost the entire genre on a whole. Um, but there is something about, I don't know if it's almost a nostalgia for a like a fake um, childhood that never, childhood being like late teens, like mm. pre-18 basically. Yeah. Um, like a, a sort of fake rose tinted version of that that never existed um and and a sort of a longing for ultimately fairly inconsequential problems that feel massive in scale at the time um or if there is something more relatable uh where the i think it's the it might be the fact that like that melodrama is written by people who both lived in that era of being a teenager and also in most cases either lived through their twenties or are currently going through their twenties and are dealing with that new sort of, as you put it, uh, malaise. And I wonder if it doesn't become more relatable the older you get because it is written by this pers by this sort of grander perspective that you don't necessarily see coming when you're in your teens. Does that make sense? Am I being clear at all on this? I don't know if I'm, if I'm communicating this properly. Yeah, no, I think you yeah. are. And I think that, yeah, like what you're getting at is that these things are, you know, coming of age stories are written by adults and they're written by adults who are, well, I feel like, we'll put it this way. When adults try to write in a way that appeals directly to teens, like when they actually are trying to pander, it always, like it almost never works. Or the, you know, Like the Nickelodeon shows, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or like um, I don't know, I'm thinking about uh, like Life is Strange, where you have a bunch of like oh, French God. adults. Oh yeah. Teens, and like I actually. Oh yeah. The you know what I love Life is Strange. I you think lo also that, love Final Fantasy Spirits Within. Uh, I do not. 
uh, that, that, sorry, there was a there was a joke in the game where the main character I already forgot her name to, like looks at a poster of the of the movies like, wow, Final Fantasy, The Spirits of Within, one of the greatest movies of all time. Was it something like that, or was like, or oh. like, was it like the most underrated movie of all time? Yeah, in Life is Strange. <laughs> yeah, they do have a joke about how awesome the spirits within is in Life is Strange. I forgot about that. I yeah. will, you know what? I will say that um, it is realistic to me that like a fourteen-year-old art student uh, in like kind of a nowhere town would actually be like really, really into <laughs> a Final Fantasy movie and like trying, yeah. like would internally like be defending it. So that might be the most realistic bit of dialogue in the entire game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, but also, but you know, to, I guess to kind of like transition to talking about like the strange for a second, like what, you know, why that game works, like, you know, even though it's dialogue is pretty like, you know, like kind of moment to moment terrible is that it's about that, that game is about a longing to do things better. Like it is really like it is, it is, written you know like the, the story the way that story goes is it's about someone who basically gets to live out a fantasy of rebuilding a relationship after that opportunity has already gone i feel like that is getting at what you're getting at paxton which is that these stories are written by adults in retrospect and, and in a certain way being an adult looking you know like thinking thinking about the past i guess and like thinking about like or considering, or like, you know, having to, playing a thing where you play as a teen, where you're thinking a little bit about who you were as a teen, and then thinking about, like, what, like, the trans, like, what actually are, like, the big kind of, like, transitionary moments in your life. And the, the, they, these, and these are moments that don't necessarily come when you're a teen. They can kind of come whenever. In a certain, when written in a certain way, because not all coming of age stories do this, it is a format that can be like a very kind of like heavily like nostalgia laden imagination of yeah you know of a childhood that didn't exist as you as you already said like a kind of like a a, a willing into fictional being a, a past where you know you confronted a lot of problems that were uh -oh. inconsequential but also feel but also that you didn't, maybe that you didn't like actually confront uh, when you were at like. Oh yeah, you're so the writers are living are living vicariously through this the characters they've written about what they would do better. Yeah, I mean, I think like you know maybe in a maybe in a pretty much maybe indirectly you know like not saying like these are like direct scenarios that like oh, yeah. the writers pass, but like I think that kind of wish fulfillment is there. I think it's interesting too the fact that like Persona Five for, for I mean it it certainly drops the ball on its uh, uh, on some of its coverage of heavier subject matter oh, and absolutely. is a bit tasteless in many respects. It also does mm -hmm. um, in a few in a few instances actually handle them with uh, a really surprising degree of tact um for a very uh, uh for a, a very anime occasionally very exploitive uh, uh jrpg um the initial uh chapter i guess if you will of the game um when it tackles the subject of the um the was it the girl's track coach who oh yeah yeah the first one yeah who's been yeah 
carrying on a secret pedophilic relationship with i think several of the girls in the game yeah um and it is and it is all about sort of like this guy is very charismatic on the surface he actually seems like a really normal dude and the game plays up what a manipulator this guy is because you also at least myself i i found myself often questioning like oh is this guy actually guilty or are people people looking in the wrong direction because he seems like such a a normal likable dude that these kids are antagonizing for no reason and then you end up finding out later on no these kids were right on the money this guy is absolutely committing these heinous acts and these kids now have the power to stop it uh, knowing what they know. And it is it is interesting because it is a game that is so all about like this wish fulfillment of like when you were a kid wanting to hold, and still now, wanting to hold powerful adults accountable for their actions. And that is the like core theme of the game is like basically purging the adult world of uh evil people not like purging in terms of literal death there's a lot of it, the game is full of uh, of heavy-handed metaphors of stealing hearts and treasure and basically the, the, getting getting adults to admit guilt and atone for their sins is basically what the the core theme of the game is and it does tap into i think something that we all wish as adults but we all really wish when we're kids um that remains relevant is like how how do the bad people stay in power how do we let this happen uh and like and there's a and there's something interesting that it does with that first chapter too where when you like confront the kind of when you confront the shadow version of the evil gym teacher um this uh this game leans hard into its like union uh terminology like collective unconscious has already been said like three times um but uh yeah when you when you confront him he basically says like yeah you like you know everyone you know all of these adults know like all of these people know and they look the other way or they you know like know that it is in their best interest or it is in the school's best interest to ignore my behavior and that for me, I can't remember, honestly, I don't remember like if the game really follows through on that like awareness of like, like we talk about, you know, like structural change, I feel like is this like term that's thrown around a lot in contemporary political discourse in a way that's kind of like emptied, you know, like that's emptied specificity from it. Um, but like when we talk about like the need for structural change, it's like, that's what we mean is that you know it's not just they're like you know individual malicious actors it's there are people who know and that like there's a kind of like uh there is a structure that makes it so people aren't actually held accountable and you know in persona 5 it's the school you know needs you know like the school uh profits rather from having this uh famous gym teacher you know he's like an olympic athlete or former olympic athlete and so there is like knowledge that he is being abusive and everyone looks the other way until you know like he finally like until through like the like the the anime machinations of your protagonists he uh you know he admits his own guilt and so like i can't remember if the game actually follows through on that idea of like of like individual responsibility like not being enough but it does at least introduce it early on and i like 
found that really engaging and relevant. Yeah, I guess uh, all the more relevant, given the fact that uh, we don't have to get too into it, but the fact that uh, Epstein is back in the news today, which uh, <laughs> speaks speaks very much to exactly what you're talking about. But ah, another conversation for another day, I suppose. Um, yeah, I think that's I, I think Persona Five is a I, I love that game particularly for its like core moment to moment gameplay and very charming, albeit cornball, but ultimately very charming character interactions. Um, and, and like it it is has a very sweet sentimentality to it. A fantastic combat system, like the yeah. they literally mm-hmm. found a way to make turn based combat fast paced and engaging. Didn't know that was possible, and they did it. Um, but uh, yeah, that game does occasionally tonally really drop the ball uh, after like it, it, the fact that at the end of that sequence with the gym teacher, um, the character who is a, she's one of the supporting characters who's a teen girl who has been a victim of abuse at the hand of that teacher comes into her own by uh like revealing her true identity where she is like dressed down in a like in a like snm latex uniform with a whip and chain and it's like isn't she 16 okay all right this is fine i suppose it's not not my place to say but i guess that's just what this game is okay oh yeah no like let's like, like no uh no way around it it is also it is crazy misogynistic and also crazy homophobic. Oh, very homophobic. Yeah, the um, the uh, in a number of in a number of moments, in particular, two recurring characters who pop up as like punchlines to certain scenes where the joke is they're gay. That's it. Yeah, and end of the that joke. was actually that was apparently something that um you know uh, we asked about like Persona Five or Persona Five Royal and. Uh, one thing that apparently did change in Royal was that in the uh, in the translation for the like Western audiences, they removed those characters, or they like they altered that somehow. And that was just hearing that was like almost enough to get me to spend sixty dollars. To be honest, <laughs> I was just like, I like don't I don't want this here. Like it's like yeah, like you said, like it's a charming cornball thing where you know like it's all about like warmth and good times of friends and like in addition to just being you know like awful in the ways that you know misogyny and homophobia is awful it's just like no like this is so counter to like this is so nasty it's so cruel it's nasty it's cruel and it's counter to a lot of the game's core themes like that's that's what's so baffling about it the game is contradicting itself by way of doing that um but uh ultimately still an absolutely fantastic game and i hope you enjoy the next uh, 112 hours of your life <laughs> uh, I, I, hope I, I hope i uh snap out of it and get back to work oh it's fine uh we didn't talk about it this week i'll probably talk about it next week but i've been uh uh despicably fiendishly hooked on dead by daylight so um oh. yeah I, I i i can relate to um uh the the spending of time the responsibility of which is questionable at best um uh all right i think that's gonna do it for us this week um uh one more time ladies and gentlemen uh for our guest first ever guest on the show ian ring let's hear it for him 
Hey, why am I clapping? Because <laughs> you're, because we 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 mentioned at the beginning, Ian, you're yeah. a very special person. So yeah, that's but that's like something like I don't get like uh when clapping when, like when you're there's like a standing ovation for someone. Does the other person clap or does everyone else clap? But you just kind of take it in. It's always it's always an odd moment to be among an intimate group of people, like anywhere between three to seven. And have everyone be applauding for you because then you just kind of do that bash for like, huh. yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, and we just put you through that. So yeah, uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and yeah, thanks once again. I will keep our listeners in touch regarding when our Untitled VN finally hits the market. We are, I think, hoping for like this fall, this winter. So yeah. so keep posted for that, everybody. All right, Ian, thanks so much for coming on the show. Anytime. All right, take care, stay healthy, stay safe, et cetera. <laughs>